to wait upon you and to hear from you. I thank you for your greatness, for your love, for your grace. I thank you for your blessings, Father. I ask you now to bless this time that we're all together as we come before you. I ask you to bless Pastor Terry as he comes to bring the word. And I ask you to bless the music, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I am. 
Hallelujah. 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 
Good morning. Welcome home, huh? Can I just be have a real moment with you guys? Um, all week I've been praying over what the Lord wanted me to share with you guys and the appropriate way to get up here and address you guys. Um, you know about about what this means, about what we're here for. When I'm holding it in my hands, it's big and it's heavy and it's very stressful and I don't feel worthy. There's a lot going on outside of these walls and there's a lot going on in our day-to-day lives that make it really hard sometimes to come here and just focus on what the Lord wants us to focus on, which is Him and our relationship with Him and what that looks like and what that feels like. And I just want to tell you that you're home. Your home. Thank you, Jesus. And I read something earlier this week about, um, as a mother, what it means to see your babies grow up, go off on their own, and leave home. And how we have this frame of what that's supposed to look like and how we're supposed to address that. What it means to see your babies grow up and go off and do their own thing and you're just hoping and praying that you're doing you're doing it right and that you're preparing them for the world and father just put it on my heart this morning this is completely separate from what i thought i was supposed to stand up here and talk to you about but i just keep hearing welcome home and i keep hearing things from that article that i read about the father feels the same way we come here to get prepared for the world we come here to steady our hearts, to prepare our minds, to learn and gain knowledge on the things that we're going to encounter out there. Father's looking at us the same way we look at our own babies. So I wanted to read to you. It's not necessarily a scripture, but I think I've had it saved in my phone for a long time, and I refer back to it quite often. And uh, I just feel Papa saying, welcome home come home and I'm trying to interpret that but I don't think it's my job to interpret it necessarily maybe it's just my job to share that with you Uh, so often we ask God to remove us from difficult circumstances not realizing that God may be using this time to mold us shape us and prepare us for a future that he knows we are absolutely not ready for yet when we humble ourselves and say God not my will, but yours. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Our eyes and our hearts begin to align with his. When we intentionally take time to hear God's voice, yes, thank you, when we come home, thank you, Jesus. it's here that we find clarity in the chaos. Yes. It's here yes. that he will direct our steps and prepare us for the future yes. that he has set before us. Thank you. Maybe it's been months since you read your Bible. Maybe you haven't prayed in weeks, or maybe you're overwhelmed and exhausted at all the roles that you have to fill day in and day out. Welcome home. Thank you, Jesus. That's my baby. Thank you, Jesus. When you come through the doors, Father's telling you to lay down all the shame 
lay down the guilt and come home to be embraced by your daddy. He knows, he knows your struggle, he knows your heart, he knows your name. Yes, thank you, Jesus. So turn off your phones, embrace the locked doors, shut everything out that is a distraction, and welcome home. Let him welcome you, let him embrace you. Thank you, Jesus. We cannot live on bread alone, Matthew 4, 4, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We will wither and we will starve when we go without his word and without his presence. Welcome home. Thank you, Jesus. You're not here to wither. You're not here to starve. You're here to thrive. You are a seed planted among thorns. Thank you, Jesus. Please join me in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for all that you've given us. Yes, thank you, We thank you for your open arms, Father. We thank you that when you look at us, you do not see the guilt and the shame we thank you that you do not see all the things that we're walking around with that make us feel like we're unworthy of your love like we're unworthy of your presence father we thank you that we can come to you and you see the blood of your son that you you see the coating that is the protection of your son we thank you we thank you that we are your jewels that we are your treasure that we are your wealth we thank you that we can come through these doors, Father, and everything outside of them will just fall away. Yes, that we can you, come Jesus. in here and focus on your voice, that we can focus on your word, that yes. we can be among like-minded people, Father, that you will speak to our hearts, you, that Jesus. you will clear our minds. We thank you for clarity. We yes. thank you for wisdom. We thank you for strength and courage, Father, because we need every one of those things day in and day out. Yes. Father, we come here to be refueled, but also, Father, we come here to give you praise yes. and to let you know that we see you, we recognize you, yes. we feel you, we see you everywhere we go father and we thank you we thank you for your abundant love for your overflowing grace for your renewed mercies day in and day out we thank you that we can come into your house and call it home yes we thank you amen
how you showed me. Thank you, Jesus. The price of my redemption. Lord, how could I question when you prove that you die for me? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You walk me through fire. Pull me from the flame. If you're in this with me, I won't be afraid. When the smoke billows higher and higher, it feels like I can barely breathe. I walk through these fires, cause you're walking with me. I walk through these fires, cause you're walking with me. out of my mind when Amber was talking about coming home. Have you noticed what all these songs are telling you? He's always there. And when you come home after a long day, you're exhausted, your strength is renewed. Sorry, Sherry. Hi. And one thing I thought of immediately when she was talking is that when you're a little child, it's climbing up in your mama's lap and laying your head on her chest. I have this distinct memory of my mother sitting on her lap in church with my head on her chest and her singing over me. Not singing over me, but I heard that. And to me, that's the mother heart of God. Climb up in his lap, put your head in his chest, and let him sing over you and listen to that. And that is the wisdom, and God gave me problems to solve. 
I asked for prosperity, and God gave me brawn and brains to work. I asked for courage, and God gave me dangers to overcome. I asked for patience, and God gave me or put me, placed me in situations where I was forced to wait. I'm not good at that, by the way. Um, and I asked for love, and God gave me troubled people to help. I asked for favors, and God gave me opportunities. I received nothing I wanted. I received everything I needed. My prayers have all been answered. So in times of trouble, in times when we're going through, we come here and it's all that praise and worship and, the, and the, we feel good when we leave here and then Monday hits. And then it's like, oh, well, so much for Sunday. That was great. Um, you know, Monday hits and, and you're getting through all the week and you're trying to get through it. Well, guess what? God's there too. Um, and he is putting you in those situations for reasons. Sometimes, you know, I, I question a lot. <laughs> I come home and I'm like, hey, I don't get it. I don't get it. This kid, this is what they, they're going through. It makes me just want to pick them up and take them home. And I know I can't do that. Um, some days I'm just overwhelmed with people. I, I don't want to people after I'm all done, and, you know. Um, but God puts you there for a reason. And you may be the only light in that person's life for that day, for that week, for that month, for that year, for that matter. That's right. And I want you to remember that no matter the situation you're in, no matter how troubling it seems, no matter how much it seems that it's hard to overcome, God puts you there because he's strengthening you. Thank you, Jesus. My husband answered a question for me a long time ago that said, I was like, I just don't get it. This is back when I was still learning a lot. I said, I don't get it. You know, if, if God is such a wonderful God, he's such a loving God, why, does, why, does, why do bad things happen to good people, right? And he looked at me, he's like, okay, you really want me to answer that question? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I really want the answer, answer to that question. Um, sometimes he puts us in those situations because we have to get strong. And I think I've told you guys this, this from him before. He said, you know, with, the, with a sword, a sword goes into the fire. It gets pounded. It goes back into the fire. It gets pounded. It gets put in water or oil. It gets pounded again. It gets put in the fire. But if it doesn't go through all that fire and pounding and everything, it's worthless in the battle. So when you're going through those, God is strengthening you. He is tempering you. He is making you stronger to do the spiritual battles that are coming in the future. So instead of going, God, why me or why, go, God, thank you for strengthening me. Thank you for tempering me. Thank you for providing for me. So in the battles to come, I'm ready. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you visit your people, Lord. We don't have to beg. We don't have to plead. You want to be with us. Thank you, Lord, that you want to be with us. You want to speak to us. You want to reveal yourself to us. You want us to know you. You seek us. You search us out. Thank you, Lord. You don't ever give up. You don't ever give up, Lord. And I'm so grateful that your love is beyond my comprehension, Lord. And I also thank that you invited me to know your great love. <laughs> you invited us to know the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of your great love, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you spoke to us this morning. Through multiple people, you spoke to us this morning so that we would know that we are yours, Lord. We belong to you. You have called us by your name. And you've called us to come home. It's no mistake that you've put that in different people's hearts to say those things, Lord, because that's your word for us today. You are calling each of us to have our identity in you, Lord, that we would be connected to you and we'd relate to you and everything that we think, say, and do in this life would reflect who we are in you. That we won't lose we won't lose our way, that we won't be confused or, or get distracted or discouraged, but we will know with no doubts, no hesitation that you are with us and we are yours. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, I thank you that you are big enough. You are enough for all of our problems and we can trust you. When things look hopeless, you're there to give us hope, Lord. And when things look so terrible and daunting, your great peace soothes our hearts and minds. And Lord, when we face difficulties, your grace is sufficient. It's enough. I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to invite you now, where you are, just let the Lord... Breathe life into you. Let the Lord speak to you. He wants to speak to each one of us individually. The words that we've heard this morning, He wants to say that to you individually. He wants to let you know that you can be at home with Him. He wants you to know His great love. He wants you to experience that goodness that abounds towards us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning, Lord. Thank you that you have visited your people. And I thank you, Lord, that you have so much more for us than we have, can ever imagine or know, but you want to pour it out on us, Lord. Give us a heart and a mind to hear, a heart and a mind to respond to you, Lord. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. And uh, in a little bit, uh, we're going to partake communion. And um, I just want to share something, just a thought. In the prayer room this morning, we had, a, we had a pretty good time of prayer. And I just got a sense, we were talking about the, and praying and thanking God for the good things that have happened. Uh, there's been some good election uh, cycles. There's been some things going on, and we're rejoicing over that. And I just, my prayer for each one of us is that we will have a moment like we're clouds open up and the sun shines through and it's like the chorus breaks out hallelujah hallelujah you know we just get excited because it's a victory god wants to break through all of our darkness and all of our discouragement and all of our clouds of despair and all the blah 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 we hear all the time it's time to get over that get on with the victory amen amen, amen. Well, I've asked uh, Pastor Jeff to come and uh, lead us in some Veterans Day uh, celebration. We want to honor the veterans. Because I can't hear me. All right. How many of you are grateful for your freedoms here in this country? Amen. Amen. It's through the veterans that, that gave their lives and their time to keep, allow us to have these freedoms. In a lot of countries... Christians are being killed, hung, shot, beheaded. But here we have the freedom to worship Christ without having to worry about that. If you're a veteran, I'd like you to stand. Give them a hand. We're, we're going to be doing the Pledge of Allegiance, so if everybody would stand, I'd like to remind veterans you're allowed to salute the flag during the allegiance. You ready? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You may be seated. Well, Heavenly Father, we just come at this time, dear Lord, as a proclamation signed by the mayor of, of Weatherford that this week will be known as Veterans Week. And the 11th is Veterans Day. Lord, we just want to come and, and celebrate our veterans, dear Lord. Those who are still serving, those who have served in the past, and those who gave it all, dear Lord. Lord, we ask that you would just pour your blessings on them in your hedge of protection. Lord, we ask that you would just allow our nation to continue its fight for freedom. And that, Lord, that we would not give in to anyone who would want to take away our rights. 
Lord, we thank you for all that you've given us, Lord. You gave us this great country that was founded under you. And so, Lord, we ask that our veterans be blessed and that they have a great time this week, dear Lord. We thank you in your precious name. Amen. Amen. We are going to have a water baptism before long. And uh, I hadn't set the exact date, but if anybody would like to be baptized in water, it's a little bit of trouble to set it all up and get it ready, so I'm okay doing it for one person if that's all, but if we have more, that's even better. So uh, I'll let you know about that. We're also going to be welcoming new members uh, pretty soon. I'll send out a text for everybody that's uh, part of that. Make sure you can be here. This is a, a part two, I guess, of uh, a new series we just started last week, Knowing God. We're going to talk today, uh, last week it was knowing God is Jehovah Jireh, which is uh, our provider. You know, it's interesting, I, I discovered that when I was preparing for that message, and I didn't say it last week, but uh, all of my life as a Christian, you know, I've heard that Jehovah Jireh, and, you know, we used to sing that song, you know, my provider. So I look up the Hebrew word, and Jireh doesn't mean provider, <laughs> it means to see or to appear. I think it's, it's an okay translation because when God appears, he provides. And when God sees a need or when you see God, that takes care of your situation. So it's okay, but I was just kind of surprised. And then uh, I found out some more of that sort of thing preparing this week. We're going to talk about knowing God as Jehovah Nisi. Nisi is banner. <clears throat> and so... Again, there's some scriptures that our whole lives, you know, we've proclaimed these various meanings and thoughts about them, and it's really a good idea to do some research and study some of the original languages because you find out that some of the things that you've thought or heard may not necessarily be exactly the way it is. <clears throat> God's Word is true, but sometimes our interpretation or the translation or, or whatever, you know, we can get a little bit a little bit different information. So let's talk about let's talk about this. Jehovah Nisi, the word Nisi means <coughs> banner. Jehovah Nisi means God is my banner. And a banner is a sign, <coughs> it's a flag or a flagstaff. It's uh, a standard. It could be a signal as a rallying point. It could also uh, be something lifted up. Standards and banners were used to identify a group of people who are part of an army. Israel had banners for each of the 12 tribes, kind of like these flags that we have out here. And you see the little emblem at the top. Uh, you know, this one's got the eagle. Uh, this has got the cross. That one over there is uh, Israel's flag. It's got the, you know, the Star of David. So uh, all of those things, they're, that's the way banners are. They usually have a name and maybe an emblem. It's a standard or a banner. The 12 tribes of Israel had one for each group, and they, they were commanded when they camped to do it in a certain order. The tabernacle would be in the center, three tribes on the north, three tribes on the east, three tribes on the south, three tribes on the west and that would be the 12 tribes. And then when they were to break camp, a certain tribe was to lead out, and the other tribe was to follow, and they were to do it in an orderly fashion. I mean, it was, and the way you could tell where you were 
and who you were with, because there would be a standard. They'd be walking with a standard. You could tell. If you weren't walking with the right group, it's like, oh, I'm in the wrong group, and you could go get with the right group. It's really helpful in a battle. <coughs> really helpful to know which group you're supposed to be with. <coughs> and, you know, in some of those, uh, some of those movies about the, the knights and the, I mean, wow. Uh, seeing those people just all rush together and they're, you know, stabbing and slashing and, you know, it's like, how could you tell who's who? And, and I presume it would be the same way uh, even in modern warfare, especially in places where uh, Vietnam and Iraq, places where you don't know who the enemy is and which one's a friendly and which one's an enemy, and they all look the same, they all dress the same, they all smile, and then some of them shoot you. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> a standard is a way to identify with a group. I told Amber <clears throat> what she shared this morning, you know, and she never knows what I'm going to talk about. I don't, I don't tell Eddie, I don't tell anybody what I'm going to talk about in advance. <clears throat> but what she shared this morning about being home, just think about that. You know, God has a standard. God has his name over us as his people. And when we are out doing things and we want to go back home, we want to go back and be refreshed, go back and get everything straightened out that, the, that gets out of whack as we're going about our daily lives, we can go back to the standard and go back to the name of the Lord because that's our standard. That's the banner that we're under. You know, these kids used to sing that song, you know, the banner over me is love. You know, well, his banner is... It is a standard that we can see, that we can go to. It identifies who we are. Now, the passage I want to read to you, it's the story where this, this name is revealed. And I want to read the whole thing to you because <clears throat> I like to set the context. It makes a lot of difference if you understand the context. Exodus 17, beginning verse 1. <clears throat> then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin. And by the way, that sin, that's, that's not like we think of it. That's the name of a place. It just happened to be the name of it. Might be an appropriate name, but that's not what that is. According to the commandment of the Lord, and they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. And you realize when you're in a desert, water is kind of important. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also, Take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa or Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel. And those two words mean 
basically grumbling. Because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. That's, it's interesting. It just goes from one star. I mean, it doesn't even, you know, and say a few days later. It just goes right to it. And so the way that we're going to talk about this Jehovah Nisi is we're going to talk about the fact that we're on a journey. We're on a journey. And the journey has lows and highs. It's not all on the mountaintop victory. Sometimes there's some valleys and there's some discouragement. And so when you read about the children of Israel, you will see that they were on a journey and their journey was up and down. And when they did right, honored God and obeyed him, man, he blessed them, took care of them. When they crumbled and complained, bad things happened. And then when they'd cry, he'd come back and he'd make it right again for them. And then they'd grumble and complain and bad things would happen. And, you know, it's just this up and down and up and down, up and down. Sound like our lives some too, doesn't it? Because that's the way it is. So Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us out, uh, some men and go fight. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Well, Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Ur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called his name, The Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. <clears throat> so there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff in there, and I'm, I'm going to hit a few of the high points. You've got your um, outline there. I've already told you that this is about being in a journey. The children of Israel were in a journey. We're in a journey. The journey has, it has low points, down, down cycles. It also has high points and up cycles. We'll read you a couple of scriptures. Um, well, let's, let's just talk about it first. So the downs, I mean, just to name a few that were right in this section of uh, scripture that we've been reading, the, uh, the uh, chapter before talks about how that uh, they had problems and how God delivered them, and then they had problems and God delivered them, and then this story starts out, you know, they're traveling a little bit, they're journeying, and they don't have any water, and they start grumbling, and God delivers them. So the water uh, attacks from the enemy. Amalek came and fought with them. And, you know, it sounded like they just, they started a war. But what they really did 
You find out when you read Deuteronomy 25, 17, it says, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks. All the stragglers at your rear when you were tired and weary and he did not fear God. Now Amalek was a descendant of Esau and evidently, according to what I read, Amalek was one of the first ones that really deviated from following the Lord and became a true pagan in the Canaan land. That's why it said he did not fear the Lord. He wasn't serving the Lord. He was a cowardly backstabber. Uh, you could say it's typical of the devil because that's the way he operates. He doesn't come right at you full in the face usually. He comes up from behind, he gets you, he sneak attacks you, finds the, the weak and the stragglers, those that are tired and weary. You ever notice that you're more susceptible to fail when a temptation when you're tired or when you're weary or when you're frustrated or when it's like a just a combination of things that are just piling on you one after one after the other and, and then finally it's just like, I, I, I just can't deal with this. Well, that's the way the enemy works. And that's why God found this to be so offensive and he instructed Israel to utterly destroy them. So I want you to wipe them out so that there is not even a remembrance of them. So it's a reoccurring issue <clears throat> with the Israelites and with the church today. Now in the early church, in the life of Christ, you find that uh, his journey, he was rejected and ultimately he was crucified. I mean, he had some good points too, no doubt. But he also had low points in his life. We tend to think about Jesus, you know, that he was the son of God. It was all perfect and awesome. But, I mean, can you imagine coming and, and saying, I'm going to give myself, I'm going to die in your place and your own people, the same ones that are under the same banner as you, saying, no, we don't, re we don't believe you, we don't accept you, we reject you. Jesus knew what it was like to be rejected. He knew what it was like to suffer. The disciples in the early church experienced rejection and persecution. They knew what it was like. Same thing, their own people. Their own people rejected them. When they began to proclaim the name of the Lord, their own people would say, we don't want anything to do with you. And they got persecuted. Their beliefs were different, and so they got persecuted. That's why the church spread, because they were going everywhere to get away from the persecution. And as they went, they preached the gospel. So the journeys have lows, but they also have highs. And you remember the Red Sea. Uh, children of Israel, you know, they get out of Egypt, been, been slaves for 400 years. God sets them free. And then they come to the Red Sea, and they're all, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they're panicking, and they're right there, and... And God shows up, delivers them. And when it's all over and done with, they're singing this great song, you know. The Lord has triumphed gloriously and lost the Norader thrown into the sea. You know, they're, man, they're rejoicing because God showed up and he, and he delivered them. And then right after that, right after that, they start saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are you, you know, God's delivered them, been this big miraculous thing, and then they just began to doubt everything. So God gave them manna. 
He also gave them victory over their enemies. The early church had the same thing. Jesus, he provided our salvation. He came and he sought out those who were broken, those who were, who were uh, rejected by society, the downcast, the downtrodden, those who were blind. He gave them spiritual sight, those, at least those who were willing to receive it. He offered it to everyone. He also, uh, he, he accomplished uh, his plan, which was to develop followers so that the gospel would continue to go forth and that the kingdom of God would be spread into all the earth. He didn't come just to be a one-man show. The early church was the same way. The church, as they began to, uh, right after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, the church began to preach and teach and miracles and mighty things were happening. The church was growing uh, rapidly. The church was uh, established. The church began to spread and deliverance and salvation was being preached and experienced all over the, that, that part of the world. And I want to make a point to you that in the story we read about um, the water from the rock, God said, Moses, I want you and some of the elders to go and take the rod and stand before the rock, and I'm going to stand before you, and this is what I want you to do. It was very specific. I just want to make this point. We need leaders. And it's not supposed to be a one-man show. It's supposed to be leaders. The body of Christ has leaders. Each local body has leaders. You know, I, I happen to be the pastor, but we have, we have four people that are council members. We, we make decisions about finances and other spiritual matters. I have uh, other ministry leaders uh, that, that consult with me and pray with me. We need leaders. And every leader is a follower. I mean, we're only following the Lord. And we need the leaders, but the leaders need the followers. I mean, we need each other. Because no leader can be successful without some support. And you get to the power where the, the battle takes place. And Moses, I don't know, doesn't say. Doesn't say that God told him to go up on the mountain. Doesn't say that he told him to take the rod and hold it up. But I think Moses understood intuitively. He understood that he needed to show himself as the leader and that he needed to show the people that they were trusting in the power of God. And so when he got up there and he held the rod up, as long as he held the rod up, the people were victorious because God was blessing them and giving them his favor. And it's because they could look up there and see that. They could see that the leaders were holding on to the Lord. They were, they were trusting the Lord. But it's hard to hold your hands up all the time, even without anything in your hands. The burden is kind of heavy sometimes for leaders. We need support. And... Fortunately for Moses, he had Aaron and her, and they did their job. He also had Joshua down there leading the army. He also had all the people doing the fighting. It wasn't just God doing it all by himself up there with Moses, you know, pointing the rod out there. I mean, Moses was doing his part, and the people were doing their part, and God brought victory. That's the way it's meant to work. 
I mean, we all work together. I can't do what I'm supposed to do if you aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you can't do what you're supposed to be doing if I and the other leaders are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We have to all be listening to the Lord. We have to all be responding to the Lord. There's no grandchildren in the kingdom. There's just children. I mean, we all have to be relating to the Lord. We all have to be hearing from the Lord. We all have to be responding to the Lord. We can't just depend on mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or pastor or council member or ministry leader. We all need to be responding to the Lord. So leaders need followers. Followers need leaders. Let me just say this about that. The leaders need to operate within the direction and the authority of God. If you want to see miraculous things happen, leaders need to be doing what God says. Presumption will bring death and destruction. But when you obey and you hear and obey and you're doing what God calls you to do, it brings life. So if you're a ministry leader or if you're just a congregate, it doesn't matter. You still need to be hearing from the Lord. And you need to hear from the Lord in the sense that you want to know what He is saying to you about each situation that you face. Because in the story, we heard where God told Moses, go and strike the rock, and I'm going to cause water to come out. Well, then there was another time, much later, when they had the same kind of problem. People were crying, we need water, we're thirsty. And Moses got pretty disgusted. He lost his patience, really. And he went, and God told him, he said, go speak to the rock. But Moses, I guess he got in the flesh a little bit. He wants to, you know, leaders can get in the flesh. No. no. <laughs> That's why we need followers. That's why we need other elders, because someone can come to you and say, hey, um, what are, you, what are you doing here? Yeah. It's okay to question leadership. If a leader doesn't want to be questioned or is unwilling to be questioned, that makes you really concerned about their leadership. If someone is open and honest and willing to receive correction or instruction or questions, then you know that they are open and they're willing to hear from the Lord however that direction might come. Because God doesn't always just speak in one way. God doesn't always do miracles in just one way. God moves in many ways. In the life of Christ, you know, sometimes he would lay hands on them. Sometimes he would speak to them. Sometimes he'd spit and make a little mud and rub it in their eyes, you know. God told, he told Naaman to go wash in the, in the river. Go dip seven times. You know, God moves in all different ways. He wants us to hear and obey. And so when Moses came to the second time that he was supposed to speak to the rock, he struck the rock again. And he struck the rock twice, and God punished him by saying, because of your presumption, you cannot go into the promised land. You don't want to be guilty of presumption. Presumption is really devastating to us as believers. We need to hear what God is saying, not just what worked once before or just what worked last time or just what somebody else did and they got this great success. We need to be willing to hear from God 
And maybe it'll be what you did last time, but maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll be what somebody else has done and been successful with. Maybe it won't be. We need to be open and willing to hear and obey. Grumbling kills. Grumbling causes problems. And I'm so glad that you guys are not grumblers. I mean, you probably have grumbled. Everybody grumbles occasionally. But I wouldn't classify you as grumblers. Uh, grumblers are, are people that are just malcontents. They're just always grumbling. Every situation, they pick out the, the worst part of it, and they just start emphasizing that and pointing out all the, the problems and all the concerns. Instead of pointing out all the good things that are going on, it's like, yeah, but look at this. You know, the, the children of Israel, God provided for them for 40 years in the wilderness. They had, they had bread from heaven every day, twice enough on Saturday, so they didn't have to worry about eating. They always had bread for breakfast, and it was sweet like honey. And then God caused the quails to come in. They had meat. He, he, got, he gave them water. He took care of them. You know, millions of people and all their livestock tromping around the desert for 40 years, and they had stuff to eat and drink every day. And at one point, you know what they said? They said, I'm getting so tired of this gosh-awful loathsome bread every day. The same old stuff. Wow, how offensive was that to God? And yet, some of us are guilty of doing the same thing. You know, God is moving, God's doing great things, and, and then, you know, we, we start focusing, on, yeah, but I like the way it was, or I like the way it used to be, or this is the way so-and-so did it, you know. And I haven't heard any of that. I'm just... I'm just saying, I will, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, give me time. You know. <clears throat> I'm pleased that uh, when we painted this, no one said, what did you paint it black for? You know, I mean, everybody seems to have accepted it. I think it looks great. But regardless, I am so proud that you guys aren't grumblers because in this many people, there's most likely there's always going to be a few that will be fault-finding and picking out the negatives. So thank you for being not grumblers. So the thing about this is that we're on a journey, and it's an identity. The identity comes from the fact that uh, we're talking about who we are. We're God's people. Isaiah 59, 19. This is a verse that everybody quotes and everybody's excited about it. So when they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So I did some research on these words and uh, I was shocked to find that the Spirit of the Lord lifting up a standard against him it's a little different translation than what it literally means. So when the opposition or the enemy comes in, binding you, he comes in like a rushing river, the breath or the Spirit of the Lord will drive it away, cause it to flee, make an escape for you, and the Spirit of the Lord will be displayed. 
lifted up like a standard. So it really kind of means the same thing, but it, it has some other variations of meaning that are really helpful. Because when the enemy comes in, the Spirit of the Lord will drive it away. Your problem, your opposition, your struggles. The children of Israel saw that over and over and over again as they wandered around the wilderness. People would attack them. They needed food. They needed water. And God would come against whatever it was and deliver them. And that's the same way we are in the body of Christ now. <clears throat> Who are we? We're God's people. Isaiah 59 20 through 21. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. You talk about God putting his banner over you. You talk about being identified with the name of the Lord. He says, my word is going to be with you. It's not going to depart from your mouth. Not only you, but your children, your children's children, your children's children, children's children, children from now on forever and ever. That's why we need to be identifying with God instead of the world and instead of our family so much. Nothing wrong with being part of a family. But we need to be identifying with the family more than the family. Because our family can't bail us out every time. Our family can't save you, can't deliver you. But God's family can. And when you're in that family and you identify with him, you look to him for your salvation. You look to him for your deliverance. You look to him for your victory. When you do that, Changes everything about the battles, the struggles, the ups and the downs, the challenges, because your identity is in Him. I'm not going to make it today. I can tell you that already. So, worship team, y'all come back. We're gonna we're gonna get ready to uh, receive uh, communion here in a minute. So, I could tell you, and I probably. I'll probably finish up next week, but uh, we need to look to the Lord first. And sometimes in this life, we're always looking at everything except the Lord as our way of escape. When the enemy or opposition comes in like a rushing river, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will drive it away. The Spirit of the Lord will make a way of escape for us. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard and that standard helps us identify who we are it helps us see that we are naming the name of christ who we are our identity is in him and when our identity is in him it changes everything when our focus is on him and your focus gets on other things that's when you mess up so what we're going to do is uh, as we sing this first song, I'm going to invite you to come and get the elements. You can take them back to your seat, and then we'll take them together. And uh, if you are a visitor, that's okay. We have open communion. If uh, I only request is that you know the Lord, and I believe most of you guys know the Lord. So uh, let's, as we worship, come and get the elements, and then we'll partake here in a minute. All right.
So I didn't plan this this way, but uh, the fact that we're celebrating communion today, it's a really cool way to say I identify with the Lord. What better way to identify with who He is than to say, Lord, I'm remembering 
your death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm going to celebrate that by partaking of your body and your blood. So, Lord, we, we receive. We receive this cracker as it represents the body of Jesus. It's not literally the body of Christ, but we know we know the body of Christ was broken and was sacrificed for us. And you said, take this. Take this and do it in remembrance of me. As often as you do it, celebrate my death until I return. And so, Lord, we thank you that you have given us yourself. And we choose to identify with you. We choose to say, you are ours and we are yours. And we do that by celebrating the cross and all that you accomplished on that. And so, Lord, we receive now. In Jesus' name, let's break and partake. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup. He said when he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples and said, Take and drink this because this is the blood of the new covenant. And Lord, that's what we want to identify with. We want to identify with your blood. The blood that not only washes away our sin, but it's the blood that gives us the power to live victoriously over sin. The power to do the things that you've called us to do as your people. Or we identify with you and with the provision and the power of your blood. We receive all that we need now salvation, forgiveness, cleansing, deliverance, healing of our physical bodies, healing of our broken relationships, healing of our broken finances, healing in every part of our lives. Heal our souls, heal our wounds. Change us, Lord, by the power of your blood. We receive it now in Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, I feel like we've had church. So, before we go, uh, if you would like prayer for anything, uh, you know, it's always okay to come to the altar. Somebody will meet you and pray with you. Um, if you can't come, just raise your hand where you are and someone will come uh, and, and hold you and lay hands on you and pray with you where you are. I don't want anyone to go out of here with your needs unmet. I don't want anyone to go out of here saying, well, I wish I, wish I could have received that from the Lord. Leaders need supporters. Supporters need followers. And we all need to be following the Lord. We're here for one another. This is not a one-man show. Even, even God isn't running a one-man show. I mean, He is the show, yes. but He wants all of us to be part of it. Amen. Lord, I thank You. Thank You that You have spoken to us today. Thank You that You have met with us today, Lord. We have gathered today, gathered in the banner in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are your people. You have called us. You have walked with us. You've led us. And you're going to continue to lead us, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes on you, to identify with your cross and your provision and your care. Thank you for the words you've spoken today, Lord. Seal it in our hearts. Go with us and bless us and give us a great week as we go out of this place today. And may the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Thank you, Jesus. Go and be blessed. We'll see you uh, Wednesday. And then uh, you got a Veterans Day parade next Saturday, I think. There's all kinds of activities. We're excited about what the Lord's doing. God bless you.